up Arkansas. This is Arkansas's Morning Show with Brandon and Kelly. All right. Good morning, Arkansas. Your morning show is on the radio. Good morning, Kelly Perry. Good morning, Brandon Baxter. Here we are. Today is Wednesday. It is September the 7th of 2022. I've realized like in the last 30 seconds, I have mosquito bites everywhere and they're all itching at once. It does seem like when you wake up and when you're and when you're trying to go to sleep, if you have mosquito bites, that's when they start itching. It's so weird. Like I didn't even realize I had a few of these and all of a sudden they're starting to drive me crazy. I wonder if that's a good question for the doctor, the good doctor today, if we talk to him about mosquito bites and why they itch more at certain times. Let's ask him. Write that down because I'll forget. Okay. You know how my brain goes. Mo quittos. Mo quittos. Okay, so today again is September the 7th. It's a big day. It's National Beer Lovers Day. Brandon, did you make that up? Because uh, I feel yes. like we have something about that beverage every single morning. <clears throat> Well, it is what it is, you know. Okay. There's also, here's another good one. It's National Salami Day. So if you want to celebrate maybe an Italian salami sandwich, which I got the other night. Like a BLT. Not a BLT. Um, Like a, what is it called? When you go to one of those places and you have like, I guess it's like the Italian. It's Italian, yeah. yeah. And you have the dressing on there. I got one of those the other night. Uh, and it was really good. So, mm. uh, anyway, the average American, they say that we don't go directly to bed when we get to bed. So Kelly, let me ask you the question. What do you do when you get to your bed? Um, it's going to be a 22 minute sitcom or show. Okay. And a lot of people do choose TV. They say that the average American spends 44 minutes in bed before they try to fall asleep. So we're in there just hanging out, which if you talk to any sleep expert, that is not good. And I love hanging out in my room. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Like, we have that nice big TV in our mm-hmm. nice big living room and all that kind of stuff, but there's something about going and watching the smaller TV cuddled up in the bed. Yeah. Uh, they say the most common things that we do when we get to bed are surf the internet, uh, watch TV, check our social media, check our email, and then text other people. Uh, the top apps we use when we get to bed, and this one is kind of like me, even though I use the app on my television, YouTube is number one. Hmm, did they pull mostly children? Uh, and, no, me. Just and me <laughs> yeah because i'll watch music and random like i was watching the other night if you go and look at my youtube history it's going to be the andy griffith show set like what it was like on the set really I think that's kind of cool yeah and then and at times they've tried to recreate that set which i would love to walk onto the set of that show in that jail in that little courtroom you went down in the nostalgic wormhole right well, yeah and you get you get stuck mm-hmm. in there and it's all of a sudden twelve thirty. i gotta be up in three hours and i'm watching youtube <laughs> Uh, the other uh, the other apps and things we use when we get to the bed, Facebook, Instagram, Reddit, and TikTok. Uh, TikTok, I got an issue with TikTok. I can't figure it out. Can I see your TikTok real quick? You, you can. Why? No, you can't see I just want to see TikTok. what's up with it and see what pops up automatically. Not in like the friends section, but in the for you section where they try to cultivate different things. Because the stuff that's cultivated for my TikTok, yeah. I'm not sure we could stream on the TV in the studio. Brandon, it seems as if you are shopping for two-piece bathing suits. That is so weird. I'm not exactly sure why huh. it works out like that. But thank you, TikTok. Okay. What? Oh, my god. My wife's in bed. I can say that. <laughs> Brandon Baxter in the morning. Every once in a while, we decide we want to be super trendy. And, uh, man, when you look at trendy, you look at me. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So Kelly and I jumped on the TikTok trend of Teenage Dirtbag. Uh, and the reason this comes up is there's an old school song by a band, I guess they're called Weedus. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the song sounds like this on TikTok. Cause I'm just a teenage dirtbag, baby. 
it's teenage dirtbag and people are going and posting photos of themselves as teenagers. And uh, we did that. And what was your takeaway, the reaction to Kelly Perry, Teenage Dirtbag? I got a lot of, I've got comments and, and messages from mostly women that were like, how funny is it that a lot of the stuff that you're wearing in your pictures back in the 90s when you were a teenager is what my daughter is wanting us to go get. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Like, it's just, that's how, it's very weird. It was very weird to me. No, like the 90s. But when you think about the 90s, I mean, you know, if you look at early 90s, that's 30 years ago. Those fashion trends come back. <laughs> I know. Uh, and like I was I was in a place yesterday picking up some lunch and I looked around. I'm like, all these young guys have like the look of the people that we had in school, like the 90s look with the hairs a little bit longer in yeah. the back and all that kind of stuff. So. What was your takeaway, Brandon? Did you get any uh, good comments? Is there anyone I need to high five? Oh, yeah. Basically, everybody who roasts me for how I used to look. I, <laughs> I, I love said, y'all. <laughs> I said that if anybody could win an award for Teenage Dirtbag, like, I don't know that there's anybody who was more of a dirtbag looking dude than me as a teenager. But I didn't realize it when I was that age. I thought this is what I'm supposed to look like. And now I realize why nobody else in school wanted to hang out with me when I was in high school, because I was trying to look like a 1980s wrestler in early 90s high school. Right. Yeah. <clears throat> so, like, I, it just doesn't work out like that. I don't think people got it. Yeah. I was trying to look like Debbie Gibson in high school. Yeah. You succeeded with that. Yeah. You did a pretty good, <laughs> you did a pretty good job. But, man, I'll go back and I'm like, I, I was talking to my wife about it. I'm like, how embarrassing is it? She's like, Brandon, it got worse with every picture. Because at first, like, if you only see one of my old throwbacks, it's like, that's kind of funny. But when you see that that was years of looking like that, and I thought I was good looking at that point, and I thought, ooh, I'm a superstar. Uh, why am I not in the WWF with Hulk Hogan? And it was only like a minute long. I know that you you had more teenage pics. Oh, terrible stuff. And I used uh, a longer version of the song because I had so many, and I realized <laughs> there was a bad word in the version of the song that I used. And I was like, oh, that's great. I guess there's not a ton of little kids that follow me, and most people have probably heard this word before, but I was yeah. like, oh, there you go. So if you haven't seen our Teenage Dirtbag stuff, it's up on our socials, and it's pretty funny if you want to go check it out. Maybe you should do a Teenage Dirtbag post for yourself today. Brandon Baxter in the morning. All right. Good morning, Arkansas. It's time to celebrate. It's time for an Arkansas's morning show high five. High five. Hey, a big high five goes out today to an anonymous stranger who's from Newton, Massachusetts. It's a really sweet story. There was a an 89-year-old woman. Her name is Marilyn Ottinger. She goes to the grocery store, the Star Market in Massachusetts, and uh, it's her it's a very rare appearance for her. She really doesn't go and do that very much. She used to go with her husband, but he passed away a few months ago. So she was going there by herself. She was unassisted. Nobody was there with her while she was going through the checkout line. And she realized when she got to the line and it was time to pay that her credit card wasn't going to work. Evidently, the credit card company canceled the card a couple of days before because the card was in her husband's name. And again, he had just passed away. So there was somebody behind her, an anonymous stranger in line who says, don't you worry. I'll take care of your groceries. The bill, $109. And this anonymous stranger paid the tab. So Marilyn's daughter is looking to figure out who this person was. She's looking for the person that she calls a good Samaritan. She says she wants to pay it forward with a similar act of kindness if she can't find this person. 
Uh, the daughter goes on to say, we're trying to find him. And even if he doesn't want to come forward, we're hoping that he'll know that we're incredibly grateful. It's amazing to have an angel like that. So here's to you, anonymous stranger, and all the do-gooders out there. It's an Arkansas's morning show. High five. High five. Brandon Baxter in the morning. All right, doing it big on a Wednesday morning. It is September the 7th, and y'all, as always, Kelly Perry. Well, she's got three words for you. Good morning, This is Country Music News on Arkansas's Morning Show with Brandon and Kelly. We have Country Music News today on Kane Brown. So Kane Brown releases his next album this coming Friday morning. It's called A Different Man. Uh, There's a number of songs on there that we've heard, a whole bunch of stuff we haven't heard. Uh, But there's a collaboration, the long-awaited collaboration with Kane and his wife, Caitlin. The song is called Thank God, and it comes out on Friday. Now, he's given us a couple of sneak peeks. Uh, There's one kind of like them recording the song in the studio. Uh, The most recent sneak peek is a behind-the-scenes look at what the video is going to look like. Uh, where he says, basically, it looks like a movie. Mm-hmm. And you can tell. like yeah. they, they spared no expense mm-hmm. to make this look right. Uh, thank God is a song that comes out on Friday. It's Kane Brown with his wife, Caitlin. I thank God I get to wake up by your side. Thank God your hand fits perfectly in mine. Thank God you love me when you didn't have to, but you did and you do. Kate Brown's album comes out on Friday. It's called A Different Man. We have country music news today on Luke Combs. Let's get some candles burning and some records turning all the lights down. So Luke Combs was playing a show in Maine, and he saw a group of kids holding a sign that said, We made a hundred bucks stacking five cords of wood, bought two Luke Combs tickets. <laughs> Our dad swore it was a waste of time, but they were wrong. Today's my 12th birthday. Aww. So Luke Combs is on stage, and he says basically this. How much did it cost y'all? How much were your tickets? A hundred dollars. Y'all made a hundred dollars. Two hundred dollars. hundred dollars a piece. Oh my God. I think I only got I got 140 right here. Y'all want that? Pay yourselves back. As much as I get you some more. So not only did Luke give the boys all the cash he had in his pocket, which like was 140 bucks, yeah. he started signing hats for him and other merchandise. But after the whole deal with Luke, one of the kids was heard saying that he had learned the most two important things in life are hard work and kindness. That's awesome. What yeah. a cool story from Luke Combs. And the fact that it lives in video form is mm-hmm. pretty cool as well. And country music news today on John Park. So John Party released his fourth album this past Friday, Mr. Saturday Night, and he's also given us a brand new video for the song. So the song is all about, hey, the dude, he's gone through a breakup and he's going out with his buddies. He's going to be out in the clubs and he on lights. But at the end of it, even though he's acting like he's happy, he's really not that happy because he's missing his girl. The song is called Mr. Saturday Nights. That's why they call me Mr. Saturday Mr. Always in, Mr. Never miss a good time. 
John Party. It's called Mr. Saturday Night, and that video is out today. And that's your country music news on Arkansas's Morning Show. She's a walking, talking encyclopedia. It's Kelly Perry's Did You Know on Arkansas's Morning Show. Did you know phosphorus was accidentally discovered in the 1660s by a guy who was boiling his urine to turn it into gold? What? Mm-hmm. Okay, that's interesting. Yeah. Doesn't phosphorus have a really bad smell? Does it? I think so. Does your urine? can't stand you. What? I'm just saying. You're trying to do a dad joke and it didn't. No, you just said it stinks really bad. And it, well, you know, anyway, Did you on. know Amazon was originally going to be called Relentless? In fact, if you go to Relentless.com, it still redirects you to Amazon.com. Ooh, I didn't know You were know saying that. the packages that come to your house are relentless. Oh my goodness, they are. <laughs> and did you know the Statue of Liberty's nose is four and a half feet long? Is it really? Yes. Oh my gosh, almost as big as mine. Oh, Brandon. What? <laughs> and if you didn't know, now you know. Brandon Baxter in the morning. So we jumped on the viral trend of the teenage dirt bag. I didn't realize I jumped on that trend in 95. Well, you also didn't realize you actually were named the winner of the of everyone on TikTok for your teenage dirt bag, all of your pictures. No, yeah, it's bad. It was real bad, and uh, they're up if you guys want to check it out. They're on my TikTok. I'm still trying to figure out how I want to use my TikTok, other than just watching y'all stuff. <laughs> I think that's what most people do, though. Everybody just makes an account so they can watch everybody else's stuff. Like, how are these people so creative? I know they are. Like, I get paid to do this, but they're hyper-creative for TikTok. TikTok. So mm-hmm. anyway, uh, there's a there's a trend, a hack I don't think I'm going to jump on. Uh, and this is actually an Instagram one, okay? Okay. So the story is if you really want to clean your toilet seat, that, uh, you know, and like a lot of times you have a scrub brush and you get the, you know, like in the old days, my mom would get the Ajax powder. Remember that? Comet. Comet, yeah. Yep. And you sp- sprinkle that everywhere and you clean it. Uh, the viral hack is telling you that the best way to clean your toilet seat is to unscrew it from the bowl, all right? So you take the whole seat in the lid and you put it in your dishwasher and you run it through the dishwasher and it cleans your toilet seat. Um, Penny, uh, no, here we go. Penny for your thoughts. I, I'm sure that's correct, but I would have some type of mental block, I think, if I cleaned my toilet seat and then it came out spotless, like it was beautiful. I think I would have issues the next time I put a cup in yeah. my washing machine. Maybe I'd have to do another rinse cycle. That's what I would do. I would do it, but I would probably do like 17 cycles before my first plate. That's well, a waste of water. I know. Huh. So maybe it's just better to scrub it. Now, there's people online, they're debating this on whether they think it's uh, okay or whether they think it's really, really disgusting, right? Now, a lot of people think it's really, really gross because like, what if? Like you're not... So if you're going to clean it to put it in the dishwasher, then there's really no sense of the dishwasher. Otherwise, you could be putting a a dirty toilet seat in there. And of course, then, you know, like. Well, I guess the thought is it gets completely scalding hot. And maybe that's the, you know, it kills. You can't get scalding hot water in your toilet to clean it. No, couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. Like if I went to your house and you're like, hey, come on over. We're going to do like a family cookout. And you're like, hey, let me empty the dishwasher. And you busted out the toilet seat. No. (laughs) Yeah, no. immediately. It's I, like, no, I'm not going to do that. Like, that sounds really disgusting. It really does. But I wonder if there's people that do it, though, that have done that. Evidently, there are. They say it's uh, super sanitizing because of the high heat of um, 
of the dishwasher. Hmm. The main cons, according to people, are the fact that, hey, it's dirty and it's kind of gross and you put your dishes in there and eat off of it after. But some people think that, uh, you know, basically our doorknobs and our phones are more disgusting than our toilet seats. And it's pro- that's probably true. I just don't want to think know. about it. Just don't think about it. Just I'm- look. We've got these little bottles everywhere. Just keep using them. Would you rather hold my phone right now or hold my toilet seat? Your toilet seat? You would? Yeah, you're disgusting. (laughs) That's gross. You're disgusting. (laughs) You'd rather hold my toilet seat? And now Kelly's washing her hands just thinking about this. What would you guys think, though? Toilet seat in the dishwasher. Y'all up for that? I know this sounds crazy. Believe me, I know it. It's crazy. That sounds kind of crazy. You must be crazy. And people are crazy. So a 21-year-old guy in Buffalo, New York, named Waylon, was dating a 19-year-old named Jakira recently. And things must have gone south because she she slashed his tires a few months ago, okay? Well, I don't have all the details on why she did it, but they're not together anymore. And she recently offered to make amends by paying him back for the tires. Sweet, right? Well, earlier this week, she said she'd meet up with him at a Burger King parking lot to give him the cash. But when he rolled down his window, she reached in and slashed him. Mm. She stabbed him in the chest, but luckily he's okay. He drove himself to the hospital and they released him after he got stitched up. Police tracked down Jakira and found a knife with a three and a half inch blade. No word on if it was the same knife she slapped, slashed his tires with, but she's facing attempted murder charges. Goodness. Speaking of crazy exes, I spotted an ex-boyfriend on the other side of the museum hall, but I was too self-conscious to go say hello. Oh, my goodness. There was just too much history between us. Oh, no. (laughs) That is not a good one. And there's even more proof that people are crazy. Brandon Baxter in the morning. And Kelly Perry, I have one question for you. Are you ready to celebrate some local people? Let's do it. Let's do the birthdays. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday. Happy birthday. Happy birthday to you. For it. Well, well, well. Time for birthdays for today, Wednesday, September the 7th of 2022. Local birthdays, local celebrities. Here we go. Happy birthday goes out to Gail Davis of Piggott, who celebrates today. Kathy Green of Cabot. Happy birthday, Brandy Dacus of Jonesboro. Trevor Gill in Walnut Ridge is celebrating Christy Harbuck of Jonesboro. Becky Goodrich, also from Jonesboro, celebrates Kimberly Greer. Happy birthday, Lindsay Bowers of Jonesboro. We have Kimberly Mosley of Jonesboro and Trey Hicks from when celebrates today as well. And if you have a birthday today, we say this. We say happy birthday to all y'all and you celebrate with these celebrities. Happy birthday to Evan Rachel Wood, who is 35 today. She's on Westworld. Happy birthday to Shannon Elizabeth, who is 49 today. She was the foreign exchange student Nadia in the American Pie movies. I seem to recall, I seem to recall that. You yes, do. I do seem to recall that. And you've wanted to get a foreign foreign exchange student ever since, right? Um, no comment. Okay. On this. No comment. Happy birthday today to Leslie Jones, who is fifty five. She was in the newer Ghostbusters, and she was an uh, SNL superstar. Happy birthday, Leslie Jones. Just because you said Ghostbusters, she's fun. Even though it was the newer Ghostbusters, mm-hmm. I think we kick it old school for a second. Little Ray Parker Jr. this morning. 
This will bring back some memories of the 80s. Oh, yeah. Right? Here we go. There's something strange in the neighborhood. Who are you going to call? So Leslie Jones, 55 today. Happy birthday to Corbin Burnson, who is 68 on L.A. Law and Major League. Happy birthday to Julie Kavner, who is 72. That's Marge on The Simpsons. And happy birthday today to Gloria Gaynor, who is 79 today. Happy birthday goes out to my good friend, Gloria Gaynor, <laughs> who turns 79 today. Happy birthday, Gloria. Hope you have a good one. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the K-Fine Breakfast Club. Hey, welcome back, everybody. Powered by Family Zinc. We'll get back to the show. Now back to Brandon Baxter and Kelly Perry. We're joined this morning by the man who instructs all of the students at the NYIT uh, College of Osteopathic Medicine to refer to him as Dr. Feelgood. He's the one they call Dr. Feelgood. He's the one that makes you feel right. He's the one they call Feelgood. And he's going to be your friend. Dr. Shanespites! Dr. Shanespites! Dr. Shanespites! Man, Dr. Feelgood on your radio, some Doc Talk this morning. Hey, Doc, how you doing this morning? I'm good, guys. How's the week? How's the short week going for you? Hey, we're kind of enjoying that. I would assume for you guys, uh, it looks like every day is busy at the NYIT College of Osteopathic Medicine. It seems like you guys are always doing something crazy with huge classes and graduating people and uh, guest speakers and all that stuff. We, we yeah, we got a lot going on. And, and it, uh, uh, some of it is seasonal. Um, some of it, obviously, you know, just like college or just like, you know, um, K-12, we have to, you know, we start up, obviously, crank up in the fall. And then, you know, we got a lot of things going on there, a lot of students in the, you know, on campus in the building and around and doing lots of activities and projects and obviously lots of learning. But um, then we have things, you know, in the spring and then we've got specific things in the in the summer. So, yeah, it's kind of kind of seasonal for us. So let's go ahead and pull the curtain back for just a second. A couple of weeks ago, my wife, uh, she tested positive for COVID for the second time. Oddly enough, Doc, me and Kai, we didn't get it again. Like, no, we didn't even get it, the sniffles this time around. What is it with certain bodies? Like, is it is there something that she's exposed herself to? Is it an immune weakness? Or what in the world would cause her to get it twice and me and Kai never test positive? So, first of all, Brandon, I'm going to say this, you know, live on the radio. I would never use the term weakness in my wife in the same sentence. Oh, son so, of a gun. Um, <laughs> I'm, so I'm not going to – you're trying to bait me on that. I'm not going down that road. Yeah, so, she'll, uh, she'll come after you. You know about, that. We may talk about genetic differences, but okay. we, we wouldn't use the term weakness. Okay, so um, genetic differences. <laughs> but um, so really, so here's what's going on. We have this, I'll be honest, it happened in my house. So uh, I had COVID over probably a month or so ago, um, and I not everybody in my family got it either. Now we stayed separate. We mm-hmm. stayed separate from each other. Um, you know, your separate bathrooms, that kind of thing. Um, I even ate, you know, separately and all of that. And, and that that obviously does help and it reduces it. And I wore a mask in the house. Um, and so that that dramatically reduces it. But it doesn't mean you won't get it. And it doesn't mean that, you know, you, just, you won't, you know, slip up and, 
you know, and, and forget one time when you're walking through. But um, by and large, that helped. Right. Um, and so I, I think, and I think you guys did some of that, and I think that does make a big difference. No, she uh, yeah, she no. does go away and she isolates herself, but here's the deal. She probably was contagious before she knew she was sick, right? And she was all around us. So that's the question right there, is how long are you shedding the virus before you actually have symptoms? We don't have a great idea on that. Right now, the number we think is about, it could be incubation period would be two to three days, meaning I get exposed and all of a sudden now the virus is reproducing in my body. Um, and so it's incubating in my body for two to three days. At what point do I start shedding the virus to somebody and I don't have symptoms? I think that's a pretty narrow window. Okay. I think that because what we've had is, and let me just tell you this, this is, and this is the reason why, the FDA changed their guidance on testing. And so basically, if you have COVID symptoms, which, gosh, it seems like it's all over the place now. Every time I turn around, everybody's got COVID. Um, if you have symptoms of COVID, the sore throat, the headache, the muscle aches, the runny nose, the sneezing, you should get tested. If you test negative, the FDA says you should test again in 48 hours okay. because the testing's not that great. And you may not be shedding enough at that time to actually be spreading to other people. So it could be that your wife, even though she started having symptoms, and yes, she was likely sick a couple of days before then, she may not have been to the level having a virus in her to truly be spreading it until she had more overt symptoms, if that makes sense. No, it does make sense. It's just so crazy because like the, the first couple of days of isolation, you know, she's like, oh, this is great. I get to watch the Golden Girls and Reba and all her favorite shows in the Game Show Network. <laughs> and then by about day four, Shane, she is an angry person when she's still locked up. <laughs> and then, so I'll say, I just text Shane and he said, you have 10 more days of this. Brandon. <laughs> uh, yeah. Throw me under the bus there, Brandon. Thanks. Hey, Doc Talk, what else you got for us this morning? Any new news and stuff we need to share? Well, we got a lot of stuff. I mean, there's a lot of stuff that's hitting the, you know, um, hitting the medical news now. Uh, some things on, you know, who you're, uh, the fact that you actually may have a, a twin out there somewhere that you don't know about. Um, blood types and risk of stroke. Um, there's some at-home tests now for cancer. There's a new science on sound hmm. and how that actually blunts uh, pain. Um, and so, you know, they're using this in different areas, uh, you know, surgical suites and things like that in terms of how the uh, music um, helps soothe pain. Really? And then, there's yeah, something about ultra-processed food and the increase of – we're learning more about the foods we eat, obviously. And um, we've got to be pickier about what we put into our body because some of this stuff is increasing the risk of cancer and heart disease. Let's walk through some of that. So ultra-high-processed food, what do you consider to be ultra-high-processed? So, and this is, I, I don't want to go through the entire list, but these are going to be things like your chips, um, snack cakes, um, uh, some of the cereals. Um, it's going to be, there a lot of, we'll all have high fructose corn syrup, but they're really, when we say ultra processed, there's really a, a refined process they go through, and there's just a lot of things put into it that aren't good for your body. And so, uh, we talk about processed foods, and then there's ultra processed foods. And I would say for those that are interested, you can just go on and do a, do a web search, do a Google search on ultra-processed foods, and you can find a pretty extensive list on what that falls into. Um, but it's going to be all the things, to be honest with you, that we like to eat. Yeah. <laughs> it's really food. our junk food. Yeah, so comfort. Just, you know, a lot of the candies and things like that. So pretty much if it's like a junk food, like, hey, I'm going to hang out on the couch and eat some junk food, it's probably ultra-processed. And so there's a study about 200,000 men and women, um, and it, this study went for almost 30 years looking at um, ultra-processed foods and 
at two large cohort studies. One was out of the U.S. and one was out of Italy, and they found significant increases in uh, um, colon cancer and heart disease and just overall early death oh, gosh. Uh, from that. And, I mean, some of this just makes sense, and I know we talk about this, but, you know, you eat fresh fruits and vegetables, you're going to get nutrients and vitamins that your body really needs. As we move more toward um, these ultra-processed foods, there's things in there that your body doesn't need and can even be harmful. Yeah. Uh, tell me about the at-home test for cancer. What's the story on that? So that is uh, it's a new uh, test that just got approved. Um, and this is generally it's aimed for people who are, uh, you know, former smokers or tobacco users, anybody really 50 or older. And it's an at-home test for, for really oral or throat cancer because that can be a big deal. Um, and so this just got approved. Um, it's not cheap. It's about 400 bucks for it. Um, and right now they're not sure if it's insurance will cover it. Um, and there's going through the FDA uh, process. Uh, but it's one of those things. Oral and throat cancer is a big deal for smokers or individuals who use uh, smokeless tobacco, um, like the you know the, the skull and the dips, the chewing tobacco, and things like that. And so this is one of the first at-home tests for cancer. Uh, now we do, you know, we've got the the um, uh, the colon cancer screening test that you can do. So this will be the second one, I guess. Actually, um, it's it's only about a um, you do like a 15-minute telemedicine visit, um, and then they just follow. If it's a positive test, then you follow up with more specific testing. So my point behind this is that people should be watching because I suspect we'll see more things like this come out. And what I mean by that is at-home testing or what we call point-of-care testing, where an individual can go into a Walgreens or a CVS, you know, pick up this kit, take it home, and actually do these tests at home. So it's not like wow. you're – having to go to a specialist's office to get these, you know, now those will be follow-up tests for sure, sure, but these will be screening tests that I think will be more available. So I think that's pretty cool, you know, to be available to, uh, to the large population to be able to, you don't have to work for doctor's visits and, you know, all that kind of stuff and driving and finding a parking spot mm-hmm. and get your blood drawn. Um, you can do all these screening tests at home. So I, I think that's a, that's a new thing we'll be seeing. Again, Dr. Shane Spites joins us this morning, the Dean of the NYIT College of Osteopathic Medicine. You mentioned that we all have a twin, uh, and you know I'm like I was the only kid born on April 21st of 1977 to my mom. But you're telling me I have a twin. Brandon likes to refer to himself as the other Dwayne Johnson, <laughs> and and that may be it. Maybe you and Dwayne, yeah, you know, get together, and we need to check some check some DNA, huh? But what's the story on it? Because like, there's somebody who okay. looks like me or acts like me or what? Okay, so here's what it is. So. And we've all heard this. You've all, and you may have seen somebody who said, oh my gosh, I saw somebody look just like you in Dallas. Mm-hmm. Or I ran into somebody who looked just like you, you know, on home vacation in Orlando. Well, and so where this came from was there, it was actually an art exhibit. It was an art, it was a photograph uh, exhibit where this, um, this individual looked at uh, a bunch of, basically got a bunch of pictures together of people that looked like each other but had nothing else in common from a genetic standpoint. What I mean by that is like they were not related at all. Right. Like they were, you know, they have no relationship at all. And so and you, what it is is you see, then you can go online and find this, and, and they do. They look like they're twins, these individuals, and they have no relationship, obviously different mothers, different fathers, wow. not even close to each other, but they look alike. They look, they look like they could be twins. And so this study was launched to say, hey, I wonder if there's actually some genetics that are involved in that. Well, lo and behold, the follow-up to this uh, this photography um, uh, uh, project was to get their genetics and to draw their DNA. And in fact, they do have genetic material 
that is exactly the same. Now, wow. it's the genetic material that you would expect to see in terms of you've got this gene that says your nose is going to be short. Mm-hmm. You've got this gene that says your eyes are going to be this far apart. You've got this gene that says your hair is going to be brown or whatever. So all of those were the same. What was interesting in the study was most of the time, the individuals were polar opposites. And that kind of goes over the whole nature versus nurture in terms of the environment, how environment has an important um, um, uh, emphasis on, um, on how we are as we grow up and the things that we think and how we believe and all of those things. But it was really so the, – but the point of the whole study was to say that, you know what, yeah, um, actually, by and large, you probably – all of us probably have a twin or a lookalike out there, um, and, and that is very – not only possible, but very likely. God, that's so crazy. Mm-hmm. That is really, really crazy. I'm going to start looking for so my So you should go on the lookout for the Brandon lookalike. You should put that out there. Ooh. The Brandon and Kelly lookalike, huh? Let's do that. That, that sounds fun. such a blessing. But that also could be a little bit offensive. <laughs> if <laughs> That could be offensive, though. If they got upset. <laughs> yeah, right. Oh, yeah. Or if someone's like, no, this person looks like you. And you're like, no, that doesn't look anything like me. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, maybe not. Yeah. But then you could post it. And you could have you could have the listeners weigh in on the of course. on that. But Shane, anyway, have you ever yeah, seen? There's another one. Have you ever seen how many people love to take go to my pictures and just like razz me about stuff? We love. I love our <laughs> listeners, Shane. I've I've noticed that there's quite a following that that does that. Yeah, so I don't think we need to give them any extra motivation. <laughs> but again, it's been Doc Talk with the Dean of the NYIT College of Osteopathic Medicine at Arkansas State, Doctor Shane Spites. And Doc, have a great week, and we'll talk to you next week. You guys, too. Take care. Be safe. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the K-Fine Breakfast Club. Hey, welcome back, everybody. Powered by Family Zinc. We'll get back to the show. Now back to Brandon Baxter and Kelly Perry. We're joined this morning by the Executive Director of the Foundation of Arts in Jonesboro, FOA Jonesboro. Michael Wewers joins us this morning. Good morning, man. What's happening? Good morning. How are you on this beautiful day? Good. We're doing all right. Hey, I had the chance last night. It was pretty cool. Uh, I, I went outside probably about 7 o'clock, and it was not too warm, and it was really pretty outside. And then I got a little uh, a little taste of the wind blowing by. Mm. Michael, I got so excited about fall just from that little gust of wind. Oh, yeah. Oh, I know what that's like. It's that first little breeze. You think, oh, it's coming. And, you know, it was really pretty yesterday with the, that sky yesterday with that uh, light blue with the mm-hmm. orange, and it was really a, a beautiful sunset. It's almost like an artist drew it, wasn't it? Yeah, yes, sir. Yeah, I think one did. I think one did. <laughs> hey, let's talk about what's happening with FOA. We love to reach out to you and say, hey, kind of tell us how we can, uh, number one, enjoy the productions that you guys have because so many people work so hard to be a part of the Foundation of Arts. And then we want to talk about outreach, too. But like, as far as the immediate stuff that's happening in the month of September, what you guys have going on? Yes, sir. We have uh, Hallelujah Girls starts this weekend. Uh, Hallelujah Girls, that's about um, a feisty group of women from uh, Eden Falls, Georgia. And uh, they, you know, they kind of have the revelation that life is too short and uh, they've got to change their lives and to uh, achieve their dreams. And they they take an old abandoned church and they turn it into a day spa. And so it's going to be, it's going to be really, uh, it's going to be a good show. And that's our, our stage two. It's not inside the form. It's right outside the form there. We have a stage two uh, place there where we, we put on shows. And it's the up-close, kind of personal. It was about 65 people. And you can really just kind of see the light in their eyes there. Yeah, so tell me the difference. And then like, we also got, I want to know sorry, the difference, man. When you're, when you're thinking about a show, you know, on the forum stage, how, how many people would the forum hold if it was full? 658. 
Okay, so the difference in a show, when you prep for a show and perform a show in front of either, you know, 600 people or 65 people, is the prep any different? I think for the for the actors, no, they're still going to be that kind of level. They're still going to make, and I I, I would I would think that it's even it probably be a little bit more I guess nerve wracking because you're you're right there, you know. Any kind of uh, you know when you're face to face with somebody, it's hard to uh, you know you maybe be a little bit more intimidated mm-hmm. to not well at least not want to mess up and uh, you know you you think your flaws can be seen there uh but yeah but we still put the time in it's still the time is there as far as building the set uh it may not be as big but it's still uh it's still got the details in it and uh and then the, the actors of course you know they do the they do all that work to, to make such a great production no see it's wild because you know i've performed in front of crowds of all different sizes and the smaller the crowd the more you can look at people and see mm-hmm. them individually that's much more intimidating to me mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. If if it's a if there's a if there's a bunch of them, you can kind of just look to the back, mm-hmm. and then you kind of just focus in the back where you can't really see. But if you've only got about ten in the front row staring you down, sometimes that <laughs> that'll that'll get to you. you that's, know? Gonna, that's gonna make me nervous thinking about it right now. <laughs> right, right, for sure. I, oh, and then uh, see what we got. We got coming up. We got uh, Annie coming up next month. So that's Annie Junior's gonna be was gonna be a great show. And we also have another stage two production next month is uh, proof uh so them are them are kind of two of the hello you girls and the proof show are more adult you know they're you know we do our share of kids uh productions but this is something for the adults like me when i say the foa has something for everybody this is uh two great examples if you want a, a good date night maybe you want to walk down our, our gorgeous downtown and get you something to eat and also see a show it's all right there with walking distance i mean it's a it's a good it's a good uh, get back and gracious with the, the loved one there. So what about somebody who wants to audition? Maybe they've either been a part of a production in the past and haven't done one recently and they're not connected. Or maybe it's somebody who's like, hey, I think this might be a fun avenue for me or my child to go down. Are there any auditions coming up? Yes, there's always auditions coming up. So, you know, if you can follow us on our Facebook page, we'll we'll launch the times of our auditions. You know, I've been here uh, a little over a year, and I just can't believe how much the FOA, uh, you know, produces in a year. Mm-hmm. We have over 25 uh, productions and 77 presentations a year. Wow. Uh, you know, that's including our festivals. Uh, in all that, there is something for everybody. I always kind of say that, you know, no matter how old you are from – four or five to, you know, 80, we've got something for you. If it's participating in one of our festivals, if it's uh, coming to one of our community theater, theater shows or being in the, in the show, or then we have other, uh, we have art contests. We have the House of Villains coming up in October. We've got live music on Fridays and a regional series coming up quarterly. So, I mean, just something for everybody. But it's really when you say, you know, we, we say foundation of arts, and I think sometimes we think of just the productions, and we've talked about this before, but – Literally, you know, your form of art and your your skill set is going to be different than somebody else's. And there might be somebody who thrives on stage as a performer or as a singer or uh, doing ballet. But there might be the other artists who's back there or somebody who wants to work behind the scenes. And you guys have programming for all of those different types of art. That, that's so, that's so true. I mean, it, well, like you say, it's different kinds of art. From I mean, we have painting classes. We have, of course, the dance, the theater classes. So even if if you are maybe you you kind of like something, but you really like to uh, hone in your your skills. You know, we can help you get there and help you get, get you know elevate you uh, to another platform there. 
and also help you enjoy your life a little bit and also get to bend and just kind of get out outside the normal world and get yourself into a place that, you know, that you're really feeling like you're enjoying your life and doing something. What I think too, is so many people come out of their shells when they, when they figure out what their passion is, you know, if they get in there and they realize they're a stage performer, they're a dancer, they're a painter, they're a photographer. Once they figure out their thing, man, it's like people just all of a sudden come alive and like, this is what they're supposed to do, but you have to have the opportunity to tap in. And that's what FOA really brings. Oh, that is so true. Um, I mean, I can I can kind of relate to that. I mean, I can relate to that. Is uh, you know, I I started painting uh, just about two years ago, and I didn't really. I always wanted to be able to paint, but just never took that. Uh, never tried. Just never really tried. And then once I tried, and I got out there, and just. See what I could do. Uh, I mean, you can really surprise yourself if you just take a little step forward. And it, and I say it brings such joy to me. It feels like there's there's deeper meaning in life, and then I'm actually experiencing all the aspects of life. And instead of just the day to day work, you know, there's other there's other avenues that you can go down and experience the greatness of all this glorious life we have. I see so many people who go into FOA and are involved early because of their kids, and then all of a sudden you see these these adults who start plugging in and helping, and maybe it might be helping behind the scenes to start, and then all of a sudden a role comes up, and, and really it seems like once a family gets involved, it becomes a full-on family thing. So if your family is looking for something to do where you can all plug in, I think FOA is a great spot for people to do that. Yeah, well, that's, you know, that's, a great, that's a great hit right there, too, because – uh, this Hallelujah Girls, uh, all the the people that are in that show, the adults that are in the show, have kids that are in shows. Mm-hmm. So you know, this gives the adults a chance to 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 show their light. So I'm really excited about seeing this. So again, FOA Jonesboro, the Foundation of Arts. You can find out more on their Facebook page, or you can go to FOA Jonesboro. Org. He is the executive director of FOA Jonesboro. He is Michael Weavers, and Michael, it's always great to talk to you, man. Thank you. Y'all are wonderful. Y'all have a blessed day now. Thank you, man. You too. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the K-Fine Breakfast Club. Hey, welcome back, everybody. Powered by Family Zinc. We'll get back to the show. Now back to Brandon Baxter and Kelly Perry. We're joined this morning by a clinical psychologist. She's our buddy, and I guess you need to have a psychologist friend uh, close if you're like me. It's Dr. Dana Watson from Family Zinc Counseling Services. Good morning, Dr. Watson. Good morning. Happy Wednesday. Hey. Hey, can we talk real quick, just briefly, about, like, uh, didn't your family have a little reason to celebrate? A little school oh celebration? Goodness. Yes. <laughs> we had, um, I, I don't even, I, we've, we've had a good week. I had a 13th anniversary. My daughter got um, Student of the Month, and my little boy is in the GT program. Oh, so wow. everybody is on cloud nine right now. That's fantastic. So the secrets to a happy marriage, have you figured it out or has your husband figured it out? Well, I just want it, it is important that although things are going really well, also one of the two children is grounded. And um, <laughs> this morning, I only let my husband kiss me on the cheek when I was leaving. We're in that kind of mood. You know, the oh. anniversary was last weekend. So, oh, yeah, it's so over. It's, it's not Brand. perfect. It's just really good. So. <laughs> 13 years of marriage. How many of those years has he been happy? Okay, Brandon. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Listen, if he wants to kiss me on the lips again, he better say all 13. <laughs> hey, we love chatting with you when we can. I know you're busy and you try to get us uh, get on the show as often as you can. But one of the things that we've talked a lot about as we've kind of gone through the last month is 
you know, kids, kids getting back in school. And we were talking like, hey, what are some some conversations we could have that might help people? Because every time we talk to you, I hear from somebody who either we helped or, or they want to find out more about Families, Inc. Uh, so I want to talk about kids and how we can help our kids navigate social relationships. I think all of us as parents, we're like, hey, we want our kids to be loved by everybody, blah, blah, blah. And we talk about big emotions. But let's talk about how, you know, as parents, we can help our kids navigate their social relationships because again they're going into this stuff blind and as parents we need to help guide them it's so important um exactly what you said so first and foremost our our responsibility are to be great role models for our kids because as kids develop they learn what to do and what not to do from the friendships that they observe so if your child grows up and they're seeing a parent or both parents who are in constant conflict with other adults they're going to learn that that's how we're supposed to speak to people when we're mad or that's how we're supposed to behave when we're hurt. And there's a saying that says um, attitudes are caught, not taught. And children can't. Yeah, I really like it because children can catch how to relate to others from the friendships that they observe. So for young children, this might mean watching the adults around them interact. And as kids grow, they begin to identify the qualities that they like in a friend, and they can seek out friends with these, you know, specific characteristics and behaviors. Right. And caregivers play an important role in helping kids understand um, appropriate and supportive behavior and friendships by modeling our own healthy friendships. Like, for example, if your child has ever seen you maybe take a meal or um, mow a yard for a friend who's ill, that's showing your child how you care for your friends, and it's a great way to start conversations with them about how they can care for their friends. So let's talk about conflict because, you know, I've gone through this with Kai. Kai's about to be 13 this month, right? Which for people who have listened for a long time, they're probably thinking, oh, my goodness, I can't believe that. Uh, but, you know, inevitably our kids are going to have, you know, problems with another kid, some type of conflict. How do we help them through that? Because, I mean, they might see us have conflicts, but we want to protect We want to protect our kids. But at some point it's going to happen. There's going to be an issue that we need to help them work through. Yes. You know, and, and obviously as parents, it can be so difficult for us to see our children unhappy or hurt because of social situations. You know, so maybe you remember a time when uh, you were your child's age and you had similar difficulties you know, in making friends or keeping friends. And you can share those stories with your child um, so that they can understand that challenges and friendships are normal and that and that um, you can just be a support to them during those hard times. If your child has an argument with a friend, you know, you can offer to talk to them about the issue together. You can listen to understand what happening, what happened to them. And talking through what happened can really help children navigate tricky friend situations um, that might happen in the future. And it's important to let them know that they can disagree and still be friends. But it's so hard if we see our, our child experience the ups and downs of friendship. Obviously, when they make a new friend, you're all happy for them. But, you know, if something happens, it can break the heart of a parent as well. It's so hard, you know, but the friendships that your child has in their younger years will prepare them for the more complex friendships that they might have in the future. So your support and these conversations can really impact the health of their friendships and relationships down the road. So we talked a couple of weeks ago about, you know, when we get home from school and it's like the after school meltdown where everybody's fried out, how parents and kids, we both have been stressed out and we might need uh, we might both need time to decompress 
how can we help like our kids if they get emotional when they come from come home from school? How can we help them decompress? Because if it's important for parents, it's probably important for the kids too. Man, I know, because going to school can be completely exhausting for kids. I mean, it can be physically, emotionally, and mentally draining. And young children spend a lot of energy um, having to sit still and, uh, you know, follow the rules and focus on the class. They have all these work responsibilities that they have to complete, and many of them just lack sufficient time to play and to run and regroup throughout the day. So by the time they get home from school, they're quick to fall apart. And the bad news is that kids tend to save their most difficult behavior for their parents. The silver lining is that they trust us enough um, to help them through those moments and to love them anyway. Um, And the really good news in all of this is that we can make pretty simple changes um, in our after-school routine that will help kids cope with the overwhelming emotions that often settle in just when the school day is over. You know, I think what you said there is a great point. I've never really thought about it like this, but the kids feel safe enough and they trust us enough to fall apart in front of us and to act out in front of us. I can't tell you how often we have somebody say, oh my gosh, your your kid is so well-mannered. He's so polite. He's so well-behaved. And then, you know, he gets home and it's like a different thing. It's like the the whole switch flips. But I guess knowing that they feel safe to do that at home is, is I mean, there might be a silver lining there. Yeah, yeah. So when they're emotional, you can leave a lot of the questions about school for later. You know, even though we as parents are eager to hear everything that has happened, they might not feel like giving us the blow by blow immediately upon arrival. And, you know, I can see that. I can think about that in my own adult life. You know, there are happy days when I can't wait to come home and share. And then there are days when I just want to come home and put on my pajamas and be quiet. Um, And then, of course, you know, there's the real lunatics who like to decompress in super healthy ways like exercising. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Who are these people? (laughs) Who are these people? I just want a cupcake. Uh, Yeah, same. So to really just a simple greeting and a hug, maybe a high five, it's a great way to connect, provide the emotional space um, from the school day. And then I just greet my kids with a simple, I've been waiting all day to see you. And uh-huh. they love to think about me thinking about them during the day. Golly, I love that. Uh, Dr. Dana Watson, Families Inc. Counseling Services. She joins us this morning. We're talking about our kids and helping them understand and navigate friendships and relationships. Uh, So I guess it's important for us to prioritize some downtime for the kids too, right? Because we stay busy as parents. I guess we, we almost feel like, oh, no, they need to be doing something. We don't want them to be sitting around watching TV. But I guess it's important for them to have that downtime. Well, it is, and we have the rule that the kids can only do one school activity at a time to avoid overscheduling and to allow our family, allow us family time and also some downtime so that most days we can squeeze an hour of, like, my son getting home and running around in the yard with his friends. My daughter likes to go to her room and read or listen to her Taylor Swift CD (laughs) before we jump right back into homework and dinner and bath. And honestly, as a parent, it's really a pleasure to offer their little minds and their little bodies some unstructured time so that they can unwind after a really long day full of structure. Man, I think that's so important for so many parents to hear. Uh, Let's talk about quality time with our kids. I think it's important that we all try to be intentional. That intentional time is important. Uh, And probably one of the best things we could do as adults is just put our phones down, right? 
Oh, please remember just to be present. The best way to reconnect with our kids is to be present when they're in our presence. And this means putting our phone down and observing them and helping them readjust to being at home, like just make eye contact, really listen to them, let them speak without attempting to fix any of the problems they're telling you about. Because often children just need someone to listen while they work through their own feelings and problem solve out loud. So it's really cool to just have a snack together, play together. You know, you get, get them hydrated, get a little food in their bellies. You can play a board game. You can work on a puzzle together just to help ease them out of these big overwhelming feelings that can come at the end of the day and into a more calm state of mind. You know, and it also it also will prepare them to speak to you or have a conversation with you later um, when when they're ready. So you mentioned homework, and it seems like everybody's different about this. You know, some some families do homework right after school. Get here and let's get it over with and move on. Some people choose maybe it's after dinner. Some people say let's do the homework right before bed. Uh, in your experience, is there a best time to actually put the homework into the daily routine? Well, the best way is to actually have a routine. You know, after the downtime, whether you go straight into homework or dinner, the two things that really matter are consistency and what what works best for your child. Because consistency, as most parents know, will help cut down on all the negotiation. When the plan stays the same and the kids know what to expect, and so that way it's just not chaotic for them or for you. But school, I mean, for a lot of kids, uh, as you know, parents were helping them navigate through school. But, you know, school can be a lot for not only the kids, but also for the parents. And it seems, uh, you know, that there's a lot expected academically from our kids now that maybe we didn't have to do or know when we were younger. That is so true. I am amazed by the things that my kids bring home already from elementary and intermediate school. And we do expect so much for them academically, but also emotionally. And I tell you, I think we should explicitly prepare ourselves and our children that while most days, if you have a solid routine, you really can accomplish what needs to get done. But we also have to realize that some days you just cannot get everything in and that that is okay. So you are human and you have limitations. You can write a note to your teacher's child if you need to, or maybe you can just recognize that the best decision is for everybody to go to bed, and maybe they can get up the next morning and finish. But in the end, you are responsible for loving your child and teaching them to love themselves. And we have to offer them grace so that they'll know how to be kind to themselves and to other people as they move on throughout their life. So how about at the end of the day when your child comes home? Because it can be kind of crazy. I remember when I was a kid, you know, I'd come home and I was exhausted. I was maybe a little bit moody, maybe a tad bit cranky. And it took me a while to decompress when I was a kid. And I'm sure it's probably much the same, even though as parents, we might not remember that and think about that actively. Yeah. So, I mean, just again, I feel the same way as an adult. Adults need time to decompress. So we should anticipate but our kids do too. Kids are basically asked to hold in their emotions all day long. As adults, we have some outlets and we have some free time to ourselves. But when we spend years helping children develop strategies to manage their emotions and their behaviors, but undoubtedly at least one thing happens every day that makes them feel worried or sad or confused. And again, those big feelings are going to come spilling out when they get home and they feel like it's safe. So we should learn 
to really help them learn how to decompress by creating a real predictable after-school routine, which includes a snack and some downtime. And then when your child does have a meltdown, you know, all you have to do, stay close, stay calm, so that after they relax, then you can help them work through whatever emotions or problems are behind it. So, but there's going to be people who hear us this morning and they're going to think, hey, uh, I want to make sure my kid's doing okay. I have concerns maybe about how my child's doing either maybe emotionally, maybe academically, maybe they just feel like something doesn't seem right. I think as a parent, and we kind of know when something doesn't feel right. What's the first step a parent should take if they're going through those emotions about their kid? Yeah, any parent who has concerns can contact the mental health provider in your child's school or Families, Inc., and we can offer an evaluation of your child's functioning and work with you to find any strategies that might benefit your child and really your entire family. I think at this point in the world, it's never been more acceptable to say, hey, I need somebody to talk to, and Families, Inc. is right there with locations all around uh, Northeast Arkansas to help. You can find the location nearest to you if you go to familiesinc.net. And again, man, uh, it's okay to say you need help. It's okay to not always be okay because guess what? Life happens. We all have baggage, every single one of us. And I know even, and, and Dana Watson would tell you, you know, even as a clinical psychologist who studies this, you have stuff, we have stuff, we all have stuff. We all have stuff. And we again, all have stuff. Familiesinc.net to find out more. It's Dr. Dana Watson from Families Inc. on with us this morning. Hey, we appreciate your time. We know you live a busy life and help a lot of people, but thanks for carving out some time for us today. Thank you both. Have a great week. Right, you too. Gentlemen, this is the K-Fine Breakfast Club. Hey, welcome back, everybody. Powered by Family Zinc. We'll get back to the show. Now back to Brandon Baxter and Kelly Perry. So we're joined this morning by Dylan Weinmiller. He is fighting this weekend in the main event of Peak Fighting at the Embassy Suites Red Wolf Convention Center. The cool thing about Peak Fighting is, is there's going to be fighters from all around the country and really all around the world who are looking for you know their, their chance to break through and be seen by the UFC. And the coolest part about peak fighting coming here, and the reason we were so excited, is because Dylan Weinmiller is in the main event, and he is not only an Arkansas guy, he's a Northeast Arkansas guy. So, good morning, Dylan. How you feeling this morning? Good morning. I'm good. I'm good. So, tell me about, uh, you know, obviously a Northeast Arkansas guy, and it's the main event, and it's fights back in Jonesboro for the first time, that you know, at this level in 15, 16, 17 years. Are you pretty pumped up this week? Yeah, I'm very, very excited to do this in front of the hometown crowd again. I haven't fought in Jonesboro since 2009. so. Oh, wow. So it's been a minute. Yes, sir. So uh, let's walk through kind of the life of a fighter because I, I find this interesting to think about. Here's a man who, you know, has learned these skills, and it's so much more skilled in 2022 than it was when mixed martial arts uh, first came out. You know, it was like uh, back then – it, it was different styles, but th- they weren't all meshed together like they are now. So uh, for you, what was your introduction to mixed martial arts fighting, and why did you feel like this was something for you? Well, I I always, even as a kid, I was always in fights and stuff and was just always drawn to, to fighting. Um, I, I started boxing whenever I was 12. I boxed for a couple of years, and then... I got introduced to Max Bishop through a friend, and uh, I fought. I don't know if any of you guys know Max Bishop, but yep. he was a big deal around here then. And um, he 
he got me into fighting and the the whole thing. I I had my first cage fight whenever I was fourteen. Oh my gosh, so, Dylan, that's crazy! I bet I was yeah. there for one of them. Was it the ones we had uh, in Jonesboro back, you know, many many years ago? Yes, sir. The JHS, and uh, we had a couple other venues. I can't remember the other ones, but I remember Jonesboro High School. Yeah. God. We had them in Mammoth Springs and a bunch of places in Northeast Arkansas. Yeah, so I remember I went to, there was one at JHS, there was one at Nettleton, there was a one at um, the Armory on the campus of Arkansas State. So there were a bunch of those fights, but it's been that long since you've had the chance to fight, um, you know, back at home. Before we get into kind of like the role that you're going to play in the main event coming up on Saturday night for peak fighting, I want to talk about you growing up. Where did you go to school? I <laughs> I I went to Swifton school until I, you know, first, second grade, and then I was homeschooled my entire life until I went to college. That's awesome. So my son, he's about, he's about to be 13. He's doing the homeschool thing right now and uh, seems to be doing pretty well with it. So your, your fighting experience, you meet Max Bishop, who is a friend of, of Kelly's and mine, uh, which I think is kind of a cool, that connection's cool. You meet Max, you know, Max was, uh, you know, obviously getting a lot of people ready for mixed martial arts. And when you rewind, uh, this was kind of like in the, the Chuck Liddell days and the Randy Couture days of mixed martial arts fighting, kind of the early days of UFC. You see that you want to do that. Uh, but there comes a point where you say, Hey, I got to jump off and play big. At what point did you say, Hey, I think I'm pretty good at this. Well, um, I don't know. I, I lost my first fight, and then I went on a six-fight knockout streak after that as a kid. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, and then, uh, so I I always knew I was pretty good at it. I had, I, I fought for, for five years for him, and then when, whenever I was a young adult, I had to go get a job and, you know, all that stuff. Like, yeah. it just... You didn't have the uh, the exposure that you have these days, so I I had to go get a job and work a job, and I didn't fight for nine years again until a couple of years ago, and then uh, as soon as I started back, I took two amateur fights, and everybody was like, "Dude, you've got to go professional." So. Wow. <laughs> That was when I decided to do that. So you're training. Again, uh, Dylan Weinmiller joins us this morning. He's fighting for peak fighting coming up on Saturday night at the Embassy Suites Red Wolf Convention Center. Uh, you started off with Max. Where do you train now? I train out of the house MMA in Wynn, Arkansas. It is the best spot anywhere near here. I actually I was living in Jonesboro again for a few years. I just moved to Harrisburg just to be closer to uh, Wynn. So I could get more face time with those guys. So you, obviously, if you started off as a boxer and that was your initial skill, um, you know, and, and for some people, maybe they can pull off being a one-dimensional fighter, having one skill. But the thing that I've paid so much attention to is that, man, you really need to be well versed in so many different styles now to be successful in MMA. Yes, sir. Uh, you know, I go, I go train wrestling with the Williams Baptist wrestling team. Uh, I'm a brown belt in jujitsu now. Um, I, I do, I do everything, you know? Well, I think that's what you have to do at this point, but the wild thing is, and it sounds like I hear, is there a youngster in the background? Yeah. Yeah. My baby just woke up. (laughs) So, So you're, you're trying to live the, the work life, the adult life, dad life and the fighting life. I would imagine your days are pretty stacked, right? 
Yes, sir. Yeah, I get up. I usually every day get up at 4 a.m. and get my first training session in. And then I get my second one in about 6 p.m. And then don't get home until about 9. So, And then I, I drag the kid with me everywhere. You know, there's there's other kids at all these places and kids for him to play with. And plus, he's really content just to sit there and watch us train. Right. Like, he, he enjoys all that. He's two years old now. So you're in the main event coming up on Saturday night. This is fight week. Obviously, there's pressure with its hometown. Uh, family and friends are going to be there. I always put more pressure on myself in a situation where I'm performing in front of people that I'm really close to. Do you feel that pressure this week? Um, not a ton, man. I'm actually really glad to be at home because of all the weight that I have to cut for these fights. My last fight was in Springdale and I had to cut all that weight here and then make a miserable four and a half hour drive, you know? <laughs> um, then I had, I had a fight earlier or a boxing match earlier. I also box and uh, I had a boxing match in Iowa earlier this year and had to drive nine hours on a weight cut. So oh. I'm really, really glad to be cutting weight and be at home and have the comfort of being at home. I don't feel a ton of pressure. I mean, I have that, you know, by God, I'm not going to lose in Arkansas or I'm not going to lose in Jonesboro. (laughs) You know, I have that going on. But other than that, I'm just really, I'm elated to be performing in front of the hometown crowd. Again, Dylan Weinmiller joins us right now on the phone. He's fighting for Peak Fighting in the main event coming up Saturday night at the Embassy Suites. Tickets are on sale now at peakfighting.com. Dylan, you mentioned the weight cut for people who don't know about that. Um, essentially, this is a deal where you know you you have a walk around weight, but to fit into your weight class for and like I, I believe you're trying to fit into 185. How much weight are you trying to cut, and how do you go about trying to cut that much weight? Well, typically, I uh, I walk around about anywhere from 205 to 210, and then. A couple of weeks out from a fight, I'll cut my carbs down. I start walking them down to where to fight week. I'm not having any carbs at all. And then the Sunday of that, I'll have two gallons of water. Monday, I have a gallon and a half. I walk myself down to only having a half a gallon of water. I get myself real waterlogged, and then I get a bunch of sauna time to cut all that water. But does that feel awful? Oh yeah, it's 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 the worst part of fighting by far. <laughs> Because I'm sitting here thinking, you know, basically from what I've learned from, you know, exercise is that the carbs are your fuel, the carbs are your energy. So if you're going into a deal where you need to have energy to fight, but you've cut your carbs all week, how in the world does that work? Well, on uh, on Friday, we know we'll weigh in pretty early. I'll weigh in about noon and then I haven't since I'm the main event, I'll have until nine, ten o'clock the next night and it's just a whole lot of carbs every three or four hours <laughs> and from weigh-ins until my fight. Let's just talk a about, whole lot of carbs and water. I want to talk about what you're going to eat between the time you weigh in and the time you step into the big 30-foot cage inside the embassy. What type of carbs are you going to eat? What type of food do you eat to kind of get your weight back to a point where you feel like you can function? Man, it's it, nothing – particular i really i'm big on pasta and i'll have i'll have pizza on friday but i can't have it on on saturday you don't need anything that greasy you know right i'll have i'll have a whole lot of pasta like just 
It's not very good. Pasta without any sauce. <laughs> no like, fettuccine Alfredo. Just, no, 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 nothing that's going to separate and be greasy and heavy on my stomach. Just stuff that it's just, it's just dry pasta. Well, not dry pasta, but it's boiled, but that's it. Oh. So, uh, and again, this is Dylan Weinmiller on with us this morning. Just a few more seconds with you, man. I know you're busy and you got a baby in the background. What does your family think about your fighting career? Man, I've been, I spent the first 12 years of my life getting in trouble for fighting. (laughs) (laughs) And so my mom was always, everybody in my family is always very supportive of me, uh, of me fighting in a controlled environment. And I mean, everybody in my family is still happy about it. You know, I say I got in trouble until I was 12. I continued getting in trouble until I was 18 for, <laughs> for, fi- for fighting outside of a controlled environment. Yeah. So now you get paid so now, to fight. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody's like, wow, that's the one thing you're good at. <laughs> what if your kids grow up and say, hey, hey, dad, I want to be a fighter. What would you say? Ooh. Oh, I've got. My my eight year old already does boxing. I teach all my nephews boxing, and once they're old enough and understand the mechanics of jujitsu well enough to not go to school and break somebody's neck, <laughs> then 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 I will be teaching my kids jujitsu. And you know they they learn boxing already. My my two year old's got a punching bag, and he does his little head movement oh. drills and stuff. Hey, could you come teach so. that to me? You think at some point? Absolutely. Love to have you in studio just to kind of chat with you and get to know you further. But again, Dylan Miller, he's in the main event this coming Saturday at the Embassy Suites Red Wolf Convention Center. Uh, I've seen so many photos and videos, Dylan, of the setup. Peak fighting plays big. They have the big uh, 30-foot cage. The lighting grid's going to be hung up there. It's going to look fantastic. Uh, is there something about that when you walk into a room that's blacked out, lighting grid, big cage? Does that take you to a different level, too? Yes, it does. I try I try to tune everybody out until after the fight, but it's hard when everybody's yelling for you or yelling. Most of the time they're yelling against me because I'm never at home. Right. <laughs> but um but it's hard to tune everybody out and just and just be there, you know, but once the bell rings, everybody gets a little more quiet and it's just it's my favorite feeling in the world. Hey man, we're excited for you and again, it's a hometown guy who fights at home in the main event of Peak Fighting. Saturday night at the Embassy Suites Red Wolf Convention Center. Dylan, if people want to find you, can they find you online? Uh, yes, sir. I'm uh, My Instagram handle is mma.ddylanwinemiller, and I'm on Facebook just as Dylan Wanmiller. Hey, man, it's so. great talking to you. Uh, tell your family we said hello, and best of luck this weekend with Peak Fighting. All right. Thank you, brother. We'll talk to you guys later. Thanks, man. Dylan Y. Miller joins us this morning. Uh, Peakfighting.com to get those tickets. This is the K-Fine Breakfast Club, powered by Families, Inc. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the K-Fine Breakfast Club. Hey, welcome back, everybody. Powered by Families, Inc. We'll get back to the show. Now back to Brandon Baxter and Kelly Perry. We're joined this morning by the man you need. Me. He is Dr. Kevin Reed. He is man's best friend. He is our best friend. And he is the veterinarian of choice of Arkansas's morning show with Brandon and Kelly. Dr. Kevin Reed from vet care is back with wet nose wednesday dr reed it sounds like you have animals running all over the place next door i had to close the door we got one just can't wait to have a good get back home we've already finished treating it and it's it's kind of whining for its mama 
Oh, how sweet is that? Hey, so we like to talk to Dr. Reed about things that are happening uh, with our pets, things that can keep our pets healthier, uh, things that we should be aware of in our pets' health. And Dr. Reed, what do you have for us this week? You know, I heard, um, I caught the tail end of the weather report last night, and I think I heard them say that possibly some of the evening hours next week will reach into the 50s. So, you know, I looked at the calendar, and two weeks from tomorrow is the official start of fall, of autumn. So I thought we probably ought to kind of go maybe a couple weeks early, and before we actually get into fall in this part of the the state, uh, we may need to, you know, just things to be aware of as, as we go for the next two or three months uh, before winter. And, and one thing that, you know, people start doing a lot of times getting ready for the cooler weather is they may put out rodenticides. And, you know, it's my personal opinion, if you own a pet, you really shouldn't use rodenticides because I, especially puppies, there is no way you can hide these inside or outside that a puppy can't get to. I've had clients tell me, you know, I've had them behind the, uh, freezer i didn't think there was any way it would get it and you know there it is it's got green that blue green uh, bait all around its mouth where it's ingested it and you know these are very toxic because they do interfere with the blood clotting mechanism and i don't know what it is about them but they're attractive to the dogs especially and and most especially puppies and uh, so it should be a no-no. You know, use a, if you've got a rodent problem, use a different kind of approach to that and don't, don't put toxic uh, baits around. Also, another thing we always talk about in the, uh, later in the fall is, is people may change, uh, you know, their cooling in their cars, putting in some antifreeze. Yeah. We know that's highly toxic and just a few little spills on the driveway or if your car's leaking, you know, it doesn't take much more than a teaspoon. Uh, to be ingested by a small dog or a cat to uh, um, cause cause uh, irreversible kidney damage. And there are some pet-safe uh, rodenticides that don't use the ethylene glycol. So you might check into you know, using those or having those uh, put in your vehicles. And, you know, one thing you don't think a lot about, but, you know, school started in the past couple of weeks. And, you know, now, especially younger children, they've got items that they're using at home, like they may bring home glue sticks or magic markers or erasers. And, and, you know, the dogs may see these as toys, you know, they haven't been around for a while. I remember several years ago, I had, we had a a little dog with a foreign body and we couldn't really tell what it was on a radiograph. And when we did surgery and removed it, it was one of those pink rubber erasers. Uh, Oh gosh. And so it had swallowed it whole. There was just a couple teeth marks in it and uh, it, it swallowed it whole. Um, the other thing we see a lot in uh, cooler weather is mushrooms start, you know, in the spring and the fall, uh, some rainy, cooler weather, these mushrooms start popping up in our yards. And while 99% of them may have little or no toxicity, you know, there are some that are highly toxic and can cause some, some uh, irreversible liver damage. So, you know, keep your pets inside or go out and clear out the mushrooms because here they see them. They weren't there yesterday. They're there in the yard today. Yeah. And, you know, it may be something, a little treat somebody left them. So, you know, commonly they'll eat mushrooms that have just appeared. The other thing, as far as wildlife, you know, cooler weather, snakes start hibernation, uh, the, the hibernation process. And in really cooler weather, they start slowing down. And uh, this includes the, the venomous snakes around the area. So, you know, just be aware that 
you know, there are going to be slower. Dogs are uh, fascinated by mistakes moving around, and they'll try to go up and stick their nose down or their paw, and, you know, that's the next thing that happens is a, is a snake bite. So, you know, it's important to know that uh, it's, it's just um, things to keep in the top of your mind awareness, basically, about changing seasons. Uh, we're seeing a lot of dogs with allergies. And we always see this late summer as some of the plants start, regular plants that have been alive start dying. And, uh, but these late summer weeds start blooming now. And I think a lot of, a lot of our dogs, that's why we see a, an increase in, uh, allergy flare ups this time of the year. And don't forget about parasites, ticks. They like cool, damp weather. You know, just because it turns into October, don't stop your flea and tick preventive. Fleas can be around all year. Ticks, yeah. especially, we see kind of a resurgence of them in the fall. So don't just think because you're basically out of summer that we don't have to worry about these. And I always say, you know, heartworm preventive should be given year-round. I don't think we're ever without mosquitoes, really. Right. So uh, continue that year-round. Great advice as we prep for fall for our pets. He is the man you need. He is Dr. Kevin Reed. He is man's best friend. He is our best friend. And he is the veterinarian of choice of Arkansas's morning show with Brandon and Kelly. Dr. Kevin Reed from Vet Care back with Wet Nose Wednesday. You can find out more about Vet Care when you search vet-care.com or on Facebook, just search Vet Care Jonesboro. Dr. Reed, thanks for talking to us, and we'll talk to you back here again next Wet Nose Wednesday. Talk to you then. Have a great rest of the week. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the K-Fine Breakfast Club. Hey, welcome back, everybody. Powered by Family Zinc. We'll get back to the show. Now back to Brandon Baxter and Kelly Perry. We're joined this morning by Tammy Moore Harrison, who is uh, here today to chat about the journey of the All-American Redheads. There's a big reunion that's happening uh, at Arkansas State University. Uh, and man, Tammy, it's cool to have you on the show this morning. How are you? I am doing great. Doing great. So the idea is uh, is Tammy's in Jonesboro. She's traveled back uh, to Northeast Arkansas to do a book talk and a signing of The Journey of the All-American Redheads. Uh, and let's talk about, first of all, for people who obviously so many people have heard the story of the All-American Redheads and so many ladies from this area who played and traveled and had so much success. But for people who aren't familiar, uh, tell me and tell them about the All-American Redheads. Okay, the Redheads originated in 1936. They played uh, men's rules and played men which was not acceptable at the time, but they did. And then in uh, night, and then Orwell and Lorraine Moore from Caraway uh-huh. played for the team from 1946 on. They bought the team in 1954, and from 1954 to 1986, it was, Caraway, Arkansas was home for the All-American Redheads. That's such a neat story. So when, when I first heard about the All-American Redheads and I was learning about the history uh, and really, it was groundbreaking for the time. I think it's so special because there are so many local ladies, local people who played on that team who have gone on to have very successful careers, but such a big part of their life was playing basketball. What do you think about that? I I think you're tr- absolutely right. It, it started them out with uh, get, getting them out of their little hometowns or areas and traveling the country and learning how to have a, a polished personality and meet people and be able to deal with people with uh, different uh, 
uh, I guess, areas of the country who had different ideas about things. What do you think you gained personally from the All-American Redheads? Wow, what did I gain personally? Well, it, it you know, it was my family's business. Right. So I gained a whole bunch of sisters for sure. <laughs> and, uh, you know, got I, I was always around a bunch of strong, uh, willed, and uh, goal-oriented women. Right. So, yes, it definitely affected me. So, I mean, it's female empowerment before that was even a term, right? Right, right. So what My you, dad didn't like to say women's lib. Female empowerment sounds good. Yeah. <laughs> what do uh, What do you remember about you know being on the road with the All American Redheads? Because I would imagine traveling, you know, was was such a, a different deal to be on the road to be a a women's team playing guys all around the country. I would assume in some places uh, there were people who were like, "Ooh, what's going on here? We're not real sure of this." What was that experience like traveling? Well, now I didn't. I did not play for the Redheads, but I traveled with them when I was younger. Right, and it it would um, definitely be a a, a cult, culture shock, I guess, in some places. I would think way back in the nineteen thirty sixes, it would definitely have been a culture <laughs> shock. But um, as time changed, um, you know, it changed very slowly, and uh, these women showed the other people in the country that they physically could stand up physically, socially, and emotionally could stand up to competition, which is a big thing for any kind of field of that you choose to be in is there's competition and you have to be able to stand up for it. And at one time, the, the myth around the country was that women just did not have the ability to do that. Right. And so traveling, that that gave you that. And a lot of the men didn't want to think you could play basketball until after you started playing. And then they're like, <laughs> yeah, these women can really play. You know, they're not just out here to be silly all the time, although they do put on a show. Right. Um, first and foremost, the Redheads were promoting women's basketball, that women could be successful and be talented, skilled basketball players as well as in other areas of their life also. I think what's interesting is for young people today, you know, there's the WNBA and there's, there's organized leagues and there's, you know, college teams that are full of women playing basketball. But to think about how groundbreaking this was in the 1930s, that's pretty historic. So the idea of the book, let's talk through that because, um, you know, you have all these memories, all these stories, things that you've experienced and things that you've heard at what point did you say, you know what, I want to sit down and turn this into a book? Well, this is the second This is the second book. The first book was The Incredible Stories of the All-American Redheads. And that was uh, in 2017. And I'm like, there's just more to this than this. Right. So for two and a half years, I worked on this book, me and uh, Howard Rankin. And then also I used my father's notes. Right. To, to write it, and I'm like, this this needs to be told, and it's told in a chronological for, format, and it looks sort of like a yearbook with the pictures as time goes on, and it shows um, the honors the Redheads have uh, achieved, you know, being inducted into the Naismith Hall of Fame in 2012 which was the pinnacle of anybody's basketball career. Uh, 
NBA or anybody. The first right. women's basketball team ever inducted into Naismith was quite an honor. Right. And then Arkansas inducted us in 2020. Right before the pan, right when the pandemic hit. <laughs> it's so. it's such a neat story, though, to think that this is something that you know. I mean, let's be honest. We're, we all live. If we live in Northeast Arkansas, we live in smaller towns, but Caraways, small town Arkansas, and to have an impact that was felt around the country and in sports, and it started in Caraway, Arkansas. That's pretty incredible. That that is very um, amazing. So many people know the name of Caraway, Arkansas. That. They don't picture a little bitty town, you know, because uh, from all around the world, you know, all around the United States and Mexico and uh, Canada and Alaska went to Alaska before Alaska became a state. They knew what Caraway, Arkansas was because they received mail and letters and posters and all that for the redheads to play there. So they knew where Caraway, Arkansas was located, not necessarily what it looked like, but they knew the name. (laughs) So tomorrow night, there's a presentation and a reunion that's going to be happening at the Ring Student Union Auditorium uh, right there uh, on the campus of Arkansas State University. That The uh, presentation, the book signing, the reunion happens from 6 until 8.30 tomorrow night. Admission is free. It's open to the public. Uh, Tammy, you have any idea how many people are going to be there and how many people are coming together as, a, as basically a team reunion for this event? We'll have about approximately 20, 27, I think, uh, ex-players oh. are going to be for the book signing. That's approximately what we're anticipating. And uh, I hope there's a lot of people at the book signing. I, I anticipate that. The last time we had one, we had 100 people. That's awesome. And uh, that was, that, I thought that turned out very well. And we didn't have any press like we've had this time. Yeah, this Jonesboro's really been good for for the redheads this time for sure so again it's happening tomorrow night six until 8 30 in the ring student union auditorium on the campus of arkansas state the book is the journey of the all-american redheads tammy if people want to grab the book will you have copies tomorrow night i do have some copies tonight amazon has not been good to me (laughs) (laughs) they did not deliver my stuff on time And they shipped some back, said it was undeliverable. But you can get it on Amazon, but I do have some books for sale. And again, it's the journey of the All-American Redheads. And Tammy Moore Harrison joins us this morning live on the phone. Best of luck tomorrow night. And it's cool to see that you still represent the Redheads on the radio and around the country. Thank you. And I wanted to say that Desiree Rogers will be speaking at the the function also. It's going to be awesome. It's happening tomorrow night. Tammy, have a great morning, okay? You too. Thank you so much. Thank you, ma'am. Brandon Baxter in the morning. Hey, you can check out our podcast. So much fun stuff on the podcast today, including, as we mentioned, Dylan Weinmiller. He's going to be fighting for peak fighting Mm -hmm. coming up on Saturday night at the Embassy Suites. We're asking him about weight cuts and why he's fighting and what it was like growing up in Northeast Arkansas. And now he's main eventing a fight card that literally, um, there's not a lot of locals on this show. On this event, mm-hmm. it's mainly fighters from around the country, but it just so happens uh, it came out that the headliner, the main event guy, is going to be a Northeast Arkansas guy. So uh, Dylan Weinmiller is on the show this morning. We also had the chance to chat with Tammy Moore Harrison. She is uh, writing a book. She's written a book all about the All-American Redheads. That was the basketball mm-hmm. team, the all-female basketball team uh, that represented Northeast Arkansas all around the country. 
And they went out and they played dudes. Yeah. Like they played guys. <laughs> they beat guys. They beat guys all over the country in a time where that wasn't exactly the norm. So mm-hmm. that's a fun conversation with uh, Tammy Moore Harrison. Dr. Shane Spites tells us we all have twins. Like there's somebody who looks exactly like us. They might act different, but they look physically identical to us. There's somebody out there. Uh, we talk about that. Uh, let's see. What else do we have on the show today? Michael Wewers from FOA Jonesboro was on. Dr. Dana Watson from Family Zinc. We talk about navigating friendships and uh, hardships for our kids uh, because that happens. Let's be honest. Dr. Kevin Reed from Vet Care was with us as well uh, with Wet Nose Wednesday. So all that fun stuff that we had right here this morning. You can check it out on the podcast. It's Arkansas's Morning Show with Brandon and Kelly. And Kelly Perry, what's on TV tonight? America's Got Talent, the season premiere of Growing Up Chrisley on E, the season premiere of Jay Leno's Garage, and what uh, Watch What Happens Live on Bravo. We'll have Kyle Richards and Jenny McCarthy. Hope you guys have a great day, and we'll talk to you back here tomorrow morning on Arkansas's Morning Show.